Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up spiritual and personal growth conversations for the recovering insecure attachment style. That's right. You grew up with some trauma. This is the place for you. I am so excited for today's guest. Her name is Shalia Hennix. She is a life coach and she helps women really truly find their purpose to live authentic lives. She has an incredible background and I really, really love her approach. It's so grounded and it's just so real. Like I, yeah, she does not skirt around um, issues that she's faced and we really get into shadow work and inner child work and kind of like integrating past trauma and it's a really special one. So really excited for the episode. Before I get into the episode, as always, I have my little weekly check-in and this week I'm just excited to share some gratitude for all of your reactions to my announcement last week that I'm pregnant. Yes, I announced last week that I'm pregnant. I am currently, when this airs, about 16 weeks pregnant, which is crazy to think about. (laughs) I'm just like amazed that this child is still growing. At least I think it is. Nothing is certain. I did share a year ago on this podcast that I experienced a miscarriage. So technically this this child is a rainbow baby. I fully appreciate the full meaning of rainbow baby now because I have to say most of this time I've just been like white knuckling (laughs) being like, is the baby here? Is the baby here? I don't know. So yeah, I've been moving through a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, um, and just like a lot of fear with this pregnancy. And so your support and just all of your congratulations means the world to me. It was so fun telling people. And honestly, I just feel so relieved to be sharing it with people. We chose to wait as long as we did. It's a little bit old fashioned waiting as long as we did because of that miscarriage before I felt like it was the right thing to do. And... (laughs) I'm just so relieved because I really did feel oftentimes like I was holding in a secret and I just hate that. I always feel guilty and then I feel like I'm not connecting with people authentically. So it was a lot to hold in. It was a lot to carry by myself and I've just been blown away by everybody's reactions. I shared with my work. They were so incredibly supportive. I work with mostly men now, which is a huge shift from my previous career in nonprofits. And they were all just like really, really supportive over the moon. Many of them gave me hugs. Like it was so sweet and just further evidence that I'm in a really amazing, healing, supportive work environment. And then just telling friends has been amazing. Telling my family has been amazing. Everyone's so supportive. So, and excited, really. My friend pointed out, she's like, you know that you're a growing family. Like, you are actually just kind of creating new family. And I just thought that was the coolest. I haven't thought of it that way. I am really excited for this new family member. And I can't wait to see how it shifts and changes and evolves our little family unit. Because 
I feel like this child is, I don't want to say a missing puzzle piece, but will like fit, will like really fit in well. And I'm excited to see how we transform as a family with a child. And then I'm also really excited and I, <laughs> I have no factual evidence for this other than just pure intuition. But I feel like my dog and this child already have a connection. And I say that because, well, Frida is the first being that I told that I was pregnant, <laughs> and, as she should be. But also, I don't know, I feel like perhaps we might have adopted Frida for this child. Like, I've always thought that it was for us because she's amazing and has healed me in so many ways. But perhaps it's for this baby, which would just be incredible. So we'll see. I've, I have no idea. I'm very excited. <sighs> very, very excited. So thank you again. I really appreciate all of your support. It means the world to me. And I, of course, will keep you updated along the way. All right. That's it for my check-in this week. And of course, as always, I ask for your support of the show. Please, 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 please leave a review, leave a rating. If you're in the Apple podcast app or even in Spotify, go ahead and rate the show and leave a coveted review if you're feeling inspired. And of course, share this episode with a friend. Perhaps they're finding, you know, on their own journey to finding their purpose or unblocking themselves. And this is the episode for them. It's a really, really good one. So without further ado, let's get into it with Shalia. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you just kick us off by introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. So I am an idea doula, life designer, and experience curator, and I have dedicated my life to helping women alchemize their suffering into sovereignty and improve their lives by embracing, embodying, and expressing their most divine essence so that they can experience becoming the girl of their dreams. And I do all of that through the magical art of life design. I am highly cerebral, <laughs> deeply emotional and intuitive AF, mm. and a multifaceted creative cultivating a life at the threshold of pleasure, purpose, passion, peace, and prosperity. And I also am a recovering perfectionist, control freak, and people pleaser. And I like to say now, I like to own that I'm a billionaire in the making, so. Hell yeah, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, so many things. I love this. Okay. Talk to us about life design. What is that? What does that entail? Yeah. It sounds like, sounds to me like you're really helping women transform. And I feel like that word can be so, it includes so much stuff. So tell us about life design. Yeah. Oh, I'm happy you asked. So living by design is about integrating both your soul's energetic blueprint, as well as the truest desires of yourself. Um, and so it's really about what it is that you came here to experience and, and the energy that you came to express into this world and taking those things that you were gifted with and blessed with and born with and then looking at the grander picture for your life and how everything, how you want everything to look and how you want everything to play out and sort of marrying those two and integrating them. 
and so for me in particular, I like to say that I, I weave together work, wellness, and woo. And so for me, all of those things need to be complete and having all parts of yourself at the table and to truly live an integrated life. I love that. I'm curious, whenever I do soul work, I feel like my ego is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not allowed. Shadow. Hello. Like all those things. Like, I'm so curious with soul work or this kind of this energetic blueprint that you're talking about. Like how often do you see clients like really kind of like having kind of a split between those two? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I, I like to call it symptoms of the matrix because it's it's literally just something that I think we all are dealing with. Just being humans living in this world is we feel like we have to choose between our divinity and our humanity. Like we have to choose between what it is that we want. And also I think they, they've done a pretty good job of programming in us a distrust of our desires. Like we think mm. that if we trust what it is that we truly want that it'll lead to some sort of peril or that it'll you know that that something illogical or irrational is going to happen it was going to come that and so there's always this i find like an internal battle either between different versions of you like it can be a past self and a future self that's at war or it can be you know the programmed you so which is really not your voice at all it's you know the voice of programming and or the ego and self and so for me really i don't subscribe really to the idea that any part of you really has to leave to me i'm all about deconditioning desires so that is like truly getting rid of anything that's not you but when it comes to like your ego or your shadow or even like your higher self or your inner child i feel like all of them need to be able to have some sort of say and, and, and they need to have some sort of place in the picture in order for you to truly live a holistic, fulfilling, integrated life. And also for me, I think when it comes to the ego, I, yeah, I definitely, I don't even believe in like that you have to kill your ego. Mm. I believe that you really just need to give it a job. Like you need to let yes. it, you need to give it something productive to do. Mm-hmm. Ego, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think, you know, like people say like your ego can come in the car, but like you can't drive like that sort of yeah. vibe. Yeah. You, you know, make sure that your truest self is, is the one driving the car. But it's like if your your ego can, can, you know, prop you up and help you get to that place where you want to get, like it can actually help you destroy the, the conditioning that you inherited and, and to live your truest life. So I, I think everybody needs to come to the table. I love that. I, my coworker recently told me, he was like, I mean, I just have no ego in this. And I'm like, anytime someone tells me that I don't have any ego involved, I'm like, you probably have way more than a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Literally, I was literally just reading about this the other day, you know, Richard Rudd, Gene Keys. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like, the Keys. oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gene Keys. It's been a while, but yeah. Okay, I was just reading one of the Gene Keys the other day, and he's talking about like the difference, like the shadow is arrogance and the city, like the highest expression of this energy was humility. And he mentioned that like anytime you see someone that's like saying, you know, oh, they're so humble or they don't really care what other people think about them and, and you know, the ego is not involved, that's usually a true sign that that is the ego right there. Someone <laughs> who is genuinely, truly humble doesn't really give a fuck if you think that they're arrogant. If you're truly humble, if you're truly embodied in your divine essence, you don't really care if people think that you're humble. So it's like, yeah, yeah, that whole, the ego's not in it. But but I mean, just, I feel like to me, a part of being human is your ego is involved. And I just don't think it's a dirty thing. I don't think it's awful. 
you know, I don't do anything wrong with that. I love that. Like most of my spiritual journey has been like, oh, if it's, if it's a human reaction or a human emotion or something I'm doing, that's like, reminds me that I'm so human. I'm like, oh, it's gotta be okay. Yeah. <laughs> this has to be totally fucking normal because I'm a human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> doing right. human things. Literally. Yeah. The, the goal is not to become an angel on earth. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, or at least that's not my goal. I can't, I don't know what other people's goal is. But that's not my goal. It's, it's literally to marry the sacred and the profane, all, all of that shit. Like, Together. Yeah, oh all, of it, I all of it. I love that. I think I used to strive to be an angel. I think, it, and I didn't, I think it was totally unconscious and anything that wasn't good, good, quote unquote, was, you know, just shove it into my shadow side of myself and then store it away and get really embarrassed about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's where you F yourself up because that those are literally just the parts of you that want to just be, not even to, to just be expressed. Like they just want the freedom to be expressed. Like I, I say now, like when I was growing up, I had like two different nicknames or two different identities in my family. One was, I, I call it today the evil genius. So basically it means that I was, when I was doing something that was performative or something that made my family happy, something that pleased them. Again, I'm a recovering people pleaser. When I was doing something that pleased them, that made them happy, that made them look good or feel good as a family, then I was the genius, right? Mm. And when I was doing something that displeased them, that made them feel uncomfortable, but was probably just my natural essence coming out, but they didn't know how to handle it, then I was evil, right? And I, I think mm. also just, just having like empathy for them not sympathy but having empathy for them I, I can understand how frustrating it might have been to have a five-year-old that had better comebacks than they did so I understand mm. why I got the the evil nickname but but yeah there really is just that that essence of wanting to please wanting to be good whether it's in God's eyes or your parents or your teachers, your principals, all, all the P's, the popes, the pastors, the preachers, the principals, your parents, you just want to please them. And so you, you feel like you have to perform and do certain things to be accepted in a certain way. And so that is like, has been one of the most freeing things for me is getting out of that, wanting to be a good girl, wanting to be a yeah. good girl. Yeah. Well, and almost like realizing there is no such thing as a good girl. Mm -hmm. So subjective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just doesn't exist. Yeah. I don't know if it exists anymore. No, right, right. <laughs> because what's good to one person is not to somebody else. So right. Literally, like you cannot please everybody. And, impossible. And, yeah, it's, it's impossible. So I am just a big proponent of pleasing yourself, <laughs> self-pleasure, self-devotion, um, self self-autonomy, all of those things that to me, you can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What was the biggest, so codependency is like a huge topic for me, <laughs> setting boundaries. It's my life's work, especially coming from like an insecure background as a fearful avoidant, recovering fearful avoidant. I'd love to hear like, what was the best tool or your biggest tool to overcoming codependency? Ooh. I'm going way off the questions that I prepared for you. I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, I love you're rolling with it. You're doing great. Yeah, you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> great. So, um, you. <laughs> as far as I saw, so I can I can tackle this from a few different perspectives. For me, the biggest tool in my entire spiritual journey has been 
just journaling in itself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a natural, I'm a naturally introspective person. I ask myself questions a lot. I self-reflect. I've been to therapy. Like I've, I've done all the things, the, the spiritual rituals and routines, but journaling and literally just getting in touch with my energy on a consistent daily basis has been like the biggest tangible tool. But when it comes to like an energetic tool, I guess you can say has really the the most important one was the relationship actually that I, it was a, it was a situationship that I was in earlier this year. Can you actually define situationship just in case listeners don't know what it is? That's a good question. Situationship. I mean, I guess it's sort of in that phase where you're a little too grown to say that you're talking to someone. I feel like the talking phase is high school, or at least that's the last time that I've used it. It's it's not necessarily talking, like you're probably dating, but you're not committed to each other. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. That, that's a situation ship. So yeah, we were dating slash talking, but not in a committed situation. But yeah, this situation, actually, he showed me, like I got to see myself. Like at the time, mm-hmm. I thought that he was what I wanted. He turned out to be nothing like what I wanted, but he was everything that I needed in that very moment because he was literally just the archetype of every man that I've ever dated. He was like dating my mother and my father in one. I was dating both of my parents. <laughs> where wow. Had, double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. Double, double whammy, double dose where I've had. Um, so he had the narcissistic tendencies from one of my parents. And then he had the avoidant, you know, just completely like absent mindedness of the other parents. So it was mm. both of those, both of those together. And it got to a point in this situation where I really had to learn how to marry my logic and my intuition. Like I mentioned in my intro, I am, or I've always been a highly cerebral person. And my nickname as a child was the genius. So that was always a big part of my identity. And so I've always known how to identify with my logic. What I wasn't so familiar with was my intuition and the fact that I had intuition and the fact that it, it lived in the body and all and all of that. So in this particular situationship, which I literally, I the universe is so fucking genius for the way that they orchestrated this thing, because on paper, logically, he was everything that I asked for. He was everything that I was quote unquote manifesting, right? Then emotionally though and like when we got into a conflict I realized that he didn't treat me the way that I wanted to be treated I didn't feel safe with him and so there was really just a basically I don't know, like a come to Jesus moment or come to come to Shalia come to myself moment where I had to reconcile myself with the fact that the way that I was feeling about him wasn't adding up to the facts of the situation mm. so in the in the in the grand scheme of codependency that really just taught me how to seek my own validation how to seek myself when it came to you know all of the things I really had to look at what were the things that I was getting out of him or getting out of the situation that allowed me to accept his shitty behavior and Mm -hmm. I mean it didn't go on for long it was it was a month but the simple fact was that I was allowing certain behavior didn't have boundaries like what are boundaries don't know what that is right Mm -hmm. um I saw this tweet on obviously on Twitter is a tweet, <laughs> but I saw this tweet and it was like, stop trying to be a cool girl, right? Like cool girls, they, they they just go with the flow, like nothing bothers them. They're like, 
don't be a cool girl, be a bad bitch because bad bitches yes. have boundaries. That's it. <laughs> I'm like, that's there it. Is. This whole time I'm trying to people please. I'm trying to be the cool girl. I'm trying to just let shit slide because I like him and he's everything that I asked for. And, you know, he, he says nice things and, and all that. And then I really just had to realize that like my, my intuition, my body would not let my mind rests until I figured out exactly what it was that was going on. And I'm just like, I, I can't, I can no longer outsource my love. Like I, I can no longer outsource or expect someone to be devoted to me in the way that I'm devoted to me. So that's, you know, even, even I've been on this self-love self-healing journey for years now, but in the context of dating, it's a whole different story to love yourself and, and treat yourself one way and then adding another person to that picture. And then, seeing how you let them treat you. So that was what I was trying to get acclimated to. But yeah, yeah, that was just the most monumental thing for me, at least recently, was just genuinely seeing my own codependent behavior play out right before my eyes because I had mm. the awareness to see it. In the past, I didn't have that awareness. You know, it just happened before me and I thought that life was like happening to me, right? Uh-huh. Yep. This time, because I had that awareness, because I was working on myself for all these years, I was able to see it play out before me and I was like, oh shit, like this is how it happened. <laughs> this, this, this is how it happens. This is how I get myself effed up. It's like needing to have boundaries and then discovering what that even is. Like it was, it was really beautiful. Truly like chef's kiss. Whew, what a what a mirror! Thanks, universe. <laughs> Just when you think you're ready, then you know you get tossed another one. I feel like, oh wow! Thank you for sharing that. That's beautiful. I always love hearing about how other people see codependency and heal codependency. Because to be honest, I think that if I'm being really real, I will be dealing with codependency and people pleasing for the rest of my life. It is so easy to fall back into. And it is such like an innate learned behavior for me Yeah, (laughs) that like rewriting that script is slow going. And I used to get so down on myself every time I would catch myself in it. Mm -hmm. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, I can recognize it and be like, okay, now we got to do the opposite. There's no like, you know, there's no like guilt or shame attached to it anymore. It's like, oh, there you go back into that. No, right. Don't have <laughs> right. Just gotta pick you up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, we're gonna do that other thing. Remember how we talked about doing that other thing? Yeah. It's so inspirational to hear how other people really deal with that because it's hard. Yeah. Actually, I did actually want to add, but to that, I forget the, the actual moment that it happened with that guy is. So from the first moment that we met, he would call me queen, right? Like that was, that oh, was yeah, that melt. Was, <laughs> that Hello. Was, that was his nickname for me, right? And so I'm like, okay. So initially, but you know, a, a part of the narcissistic abuse cycle is that they love bomb. Like this is just what they do. Totally. This is totally, what they totally, do. Totally. I didn't know it at the time, but I was like, so at, initially I'm like, oh, somebody who sees my worth. Fantastic. Like this is, Thank like, you. This is great. This is great. <laughs> But we were having conflict and I went back, like you were just talking about how sometimes you just slip back into that pattern because I'm like, I've been working on myself for so long. Why do I feel this way? Like, why do I feel like mm-hmm. a little child right now? And so I, I, I my response is the, the fawn trauma response mm-hmm. the fawn a little bit, the fight fawn freeze. I have a little bit of all of it going on, but for the most part, it's like I shut down and then I fawn, like I, I want that that validation, that attention, all of that. 
And so when I did shut down in this conflict, he was like, um, what's going on? You have like a little uh, ice queen thing going on right now. And something about that, when he said that, it, it, it put things into perspective for me because I'm like, this is my pattern. Like, this is what I do. I, when, I, when I'm not getting my way or when I'm not able to connect with someone in the way that I want to connect with them or I'm not feeling received and loved and accepted for who it is that I naturally am, I shut down. And so you mentioned like rewriting the script and, and I liken it to Elsa, right? Where Elsa is literally the fucking ice queen. She's the ice queen. It's, it's her coronation day. So this is again, me being, this is a new lifestyle for me. So she's, it's her coronation day. She's taking on this new role as the queen and she, so she's praised all of her life, right? For, you know, or she's praised when she's bringing warmth to her village when she's providing for them. But once they see that like her superpower is she can turn shit to ice, like once they see the other side to her, then she's like cast out and, and she's demonized and vilified. And so what she does is she runs off and she creates a fortress around herself. And so that's, and I literally just him using those words, ice queen and me realizing that like, I feel like a child right now. Why do I feel like a fucking kid? <laughs> and then watching Elsa with my baby cousin and like, it all just started to come clear to me. And I'm like, oh shit, like this is what I do. Like this is Damn. when I feel triggered, I shut down. I create walls around myself because I didn't have boundaries before. So now it's like, I have to strong arm it and I create mm -hmm. all this other shit around me. And I was like, holy crap and and also just that situation in regards to codependency as well just taught me how to of course like love respect and accept myself but also how to stop accepting breadcrumbs for mm. love like any little any little thing that someone will give you so i just i just had to add that on to because you mentioned Damn. writing and falling into patterns and i'm like hell yeah that's, i just got chills i just yeah. got chills hearing that like what a wonderful analogy. Thank you, Disney. I know <laughs> I give you a lot of shit sometimes, but like you've got it figured out. <laughs> yeah. I also love that he was able to like call you out in a way that you could see it. Like that's mm -hmm. always such a gift, mm -hmm. such a gift. Yeah. All I was so angry at first when it happened. Cause I, of course I literally, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you <laughs> told me I was about to get what I just asked for. And I'm like, this can't be it. Like, what's happening? And then after it, I'm like, you know what? Kudos to you because you did what needed to be done. <laughs> you, you. you gave me what I needed. You gave me what he I needed. He sure did. He sure did. Damn. Wow. What a gift. What a gift. It's a hard gift. Yeah. Yeah. I would be so pissed at first. <laughs> like, you don't know me. You don't know anything about me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like literally building up my walls. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing, talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week. Monthly and one-off donation options are available, and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating. 
If you're interested in making your financial contribution, please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Now back to this week's episode. Thank you so much. Okay, so I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your past, your background as a sex worker. Yes. And how that, I just think this is such fascinating work. I want to talk about how that like influences your work today. Mm -hmm. Love it. I'm ready. So um, all of my past lives, like that's what I like to call my shadow careers. They are basically unified through the common thread of connection, like soul to soul connection, everything that I've done. Sex work in particular taught me that I was brilliant at holding space for other people for transformation to occur. So I was I was able to create and hold space for the true self to emerge, for for them really to not only just bear their bodies to me, but to bear their souls, to bear their souls and their spirits, to truly be naked in front of me and realizing how much of a talent and a gift that is that enables people to feel like they can truly bear all and, and let down their defenses and let down those walls that they've built up around themselves. And so I use that same talent in my work today with helping women to unearth and explore the vision that they hold within themselves, right, for their ideal life. Sex work also, just in a, in a very practical sense, taught me a bunch regarding how to actually run a business um, mm, because about. Me about, you know, I was the one doing my own marketing. And first of all, I had to create a persona, like learning what that was. I had to learn how to create a persona, how to market this persona, learning about the art of attraction and soft power and how to screen people um, and, and know who is going to actually truly have a successful experience with you and, and, of course, I'm screening for like psychopaths and serial killers too, but really, just, yes, yes. Yeah, right. You know, but also just genuinely t- taught me how to screen when somebody else's wants, needs, or desires aligns with what I'm capable of providing. And so I, I really t- like to take that and use that in my work and, and helping women to decondition their desires to the shed everything that's not theirs anymore and really get in touch with what is truly theirs and and then also use that as a compass to decide what they want to create with it. Wow. I love looking at it as connection. Like that is like bare bones. That's exactly what it is. And it's so cool to hear you just own it because I know there are some listeners that have done sex work in the past and they have so much shadow around it and shame. And they, um, I mean, I've talked to listeners that are like, how am I ever going to find a partner with this? And I'm like, this is, you know, you're doing the most ancient job in the world for women. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, yeah. this is a, you're like in a deep, like career here. Like yeah. you've got like many lives upon lives that have been in your shoes. And I feel like there's something to be, to be learned from that career to bring on to your next, I love what you just said about how that's a past life. Like it's yes. so true, <laughs> but there's always like a learning or, or something that you can take away from it to bring to the next thing, whatever that is. And it's really to hear you talking about that. And I love how it's, it's holding space. Like that's fascinating. This, I mean, I'm sure you've, yeah, I'm sure we've held many people <laughs> in a vulnerable position. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I genuinely have to say, obviously, the, the method of my work is different now. And, and my 
clients are not all women where they used to all be men, but it's genuinely the same ethos of just a soul to soul connection and pulling out and unearthing what it is that, what it is that they're truly begging and, and dying for to be seen. Cause I, f- I feel like there, there's something that all of us want to be seen and heard for. And so it's really just creating the space for that to emerge, for that to come out. And then providing them with the tools and the, the methods and the, the strategies to express that and actualize that vision. That's amazing. It's so needed. So needed. Thanks for holding space for us. I just appreciate it. Um, okay. So we're going to switch gears again. I know we're jumping around here, but I want to talk to you about so much. So spirituality, I know this is an important part of your work important part of my work, <laughs> my day to day. So I'd love to hear just about your spiritual upbringing and, and how that's affected kind of your spiritual practice today. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so s- spiritual upbringing, I was raised semi-religious. Um, and I only say semi, like my family, my great grandfather, he owned a church in Harlem. We were Baptist Christian. And so we were always there. <laughs> we were always there. He, he owned the church. I lived with a pastor, but I say semi-spiritual because I, even though I was in church, I was the kid that was asleep in the front row. Like I was, (laughs) I was asleep in the front pew in church because I never fully resonated with the idea of a God that was being preached to me. I didn't fully resonate with the God is a jealous God and like the vengeful, scornful, you know, the, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away that, that sort of thing. I, I never fully, and I, and I can speak about Christianity just because that's what I was raised in. But to be honest with you, I don't really resonate with any organized religion. Um, if, if anyone else does, that's perfect for them. Um, just for me personally, I now relate to a more fluid, loving God. Um, and so for me, the, the way that the way that I was raised, um, I was taught that, like, for example, that none of us are perfect, um, that God is the only thing that's perfect. And eventually, like, if you're somebody who is naturally introspective, which I am, you'll start to ask, well, if I was created in the image of God, then how does that not also make me perfect? Like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense. I, I think when, when people say stuff like that, they, they genuinely mean well, like they mean to, to give you a free pass, like you're, you're human, you know, it's okay, nobody's perfect. But also it's kind of bullshit because we, we're all perfect. I think we're, we're not exact in our expression. Like we don't always express ourselves the way that we would like to, that, that idea of perfection that we have in our, in our minds, but we are perfect in our being, in our essence, just as just existing, just for existing. So my spirituality today is like I mentioned before or earlier, it's more so about embodying the divine than worshiping the divine. I absolutely am grateful for higher power and a force that created me. And at the same time, I realized that created me. So I like to exercise my free will. Um, I, I like to say that destiny is where your fate and free will meet up. You know, it's, it's something that's sort of fixed, but it also has malleable aspects into it. Authority is being the author of your destiny, right? And so now my spirituality is more sort of get more geared towards self-devotion, self-love and trust, self-creation, self-mastery and self-authority, independent thought, free will, autonomy, like those are the sorts of things that make me feel really good and, and they make me feel embodied. And I think 
now my spiritual practice and journey is, is just about getting away from anything and everything that disempowers me, even if it means well, you know, like I, I've, I've stopped even just now, I've stopped reading my forecasts, my horoscopes. Like I don't do those anymore. I don't do like the pink car readings on YouTube because I, it's, it's genuinely for me realizing that, um, and I was talking to a friend about this before, that usually when we go seeking a third party to, to give us some sort of knowledge is because we don't trust our own inner knowing and we don't trust or have faith in the fact that the answers will come to us and will be shown to us in divine timing. So I'm, I'm like, I gotta kind of just, I gotta stop with the, the horoscopes and stuff because even though, like I said, they mean, well, you can kind of tell when someone's ego is in a horoscope, like when they're just telling you something based on an experience they just had. And, and, you know, they're, it's being colored. So anytime a message comes through a third party, it's already diluted a little bit. There's there's a little bit of a distortion in the message. So it's just all about getting the message straight from within, direct. And um, yeah, I, I love dream work, journaling, shadow work, all of the types of works. All of them. Mm, all the works. Anything that yeah. ends in work. All the work. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> That's so beautiful. That is, I love the self-devotion. I truly, I'm like, I, I like everything that you just said resonates with me so hard. I've literally stopped reading my horoscope. Someone was like, Jupiter, something, there's some placements going on right now. And there's, uh, you know, my Instagram's like popping off with like videos about it. And I'm just like, I just can't because I feel like anytime I get sucked into something like that, it leads me down this false path of like, you know, watching out for something that matches. I'm always looking for patterns, right? Like we're pattern making humans. So I'm like, oh, how does this fit into what they just said? And I'm just like, I'm losing my autonomy. I'm losing, I'm losing my own thoughts. Like I'm losing my own authority. Like it's, sometimes it's fun. I do, when I'm, when I approach it with like when it's fun, that's when I'm like, oh, cool. I'll read that. Like, lol, like, isn't this funny? Or if it's afterwards and I'll be like, yeah, I was going through that. They were right. <laughs> but anytime is beforehand, I'm like, oh, yeah, but this is new for me. This is not, I just want to be very clear. This is not what I've been doing for the past two years. This is like this month. It's very new, I'm very fresh because what we were just talking about, like, we have confirmation bias. So it's like, yes. it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So even if something might not turn out the way it is, it's like, oh, I remember so-and-so said that somebody was going to do this. And so then you make it that situation. You make it that. And that's like, I also, I also like to call that when I talk about s- symptoms of the matrix, it's like when you gaslight yourself, it's like spiritual gaslighting. And it's like, you know something to be true, but because X, Y, and Z said it in a horoscope, you're now, you now have that internal conflict and you have that self-doubt and you're now questioning which one is the truth and which way to go. So yeah, I, I got to the point where I was just like, you know, I know they mean well, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So yes, I, can't, <laughs> so I can't do it anymore. And yet it's, it's very new because that was like my church. That was like my going to church, like reading my most. Uh my monthly numerology horoscope totally. and now, totally. now it's just me it's just it's just me and, spirit. Totally. and every time I did it I told myself well this is in the name of spirituality like this mm-hmm. is in the name of getting closer to universe or this is in the name of closer getting closer to understand the world in which you know the universe in which we live and the connection that we all have and now I'm like I don't I don't know it feels like more programming to me 
Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. A little spirituality is just another form of conditioning. It's just another, it, it has like a, a prettier, shinier bow on it. That's totally. It. Yeah. Very palatable, <laughs> lovely color palette. I'm really into it. Yeah. <laughs> and it speaks to the ego, right? Because it makes you yes. feel better. Like you're doing something better than other people or, you know, people who aren't spiritual or who don't, whatever, like whatever it is, there's just that little essence of, I'm still programming myself to behave in a certain kind of way. So fascinating. I also feel like we're all kind of, you know, I do really believe that we're all connected, like through this kind of divine connection. And so I, I, you know, now we're going down a really big tangent here, but I ever like, you know, is, do I have any unique thoughts or like, am I just vibing with you so hard right now? Because, because I'm like reading, you know, I'm reading that energy and like loving it. Like it's very, it's deconditioning is so hard. I feel like it's multi-layered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I call it the cloud brain. I call it the cloud mm. brain because it genuinely is like, I know you hear like infinite intelligence and all type. They have many different names for it, but yeah, it's literally, we're all connected. We all have the same, it's just different, same energy, just different frequencies, like different vibrations. Like we're vibrating at different polarities, different ends of the spectrum, but it's really all the same thing. And, and it's just being expressed through our egos, through it being expressed yeah. through our, our personalities, our, you know, our individuality, but for sure. Yeah, it's wild. I can't think too much about it. <laughs> My brain is hurting a little bit. <laughs> Uh, okay. So I'm curious, how does spirituality play into your work then? Yeah. So I, I like to say that I, I help women turn their pain into power, obstacles into opportunities, fears into fierceness and trials into triumphs. And so spirituality is a huge part of everything that I do. In fact, actually, literally, I think maybe this month I just came up with the idea of a seesaw in my business. So S-E-S-E-A, saw, which is through the vehicles of spirituality, entrepreneurship, and aesthetics. That's the C. I help women achieve next level success, sovereignty, and satisfaction by aligning, actualizing, and activating the interwovenness of work, wellness, and woo. So that was a lot of words, but it's basically to say that okay. work, wellness, good. woo, spirituality, entrepreneurship, they, they all really are the same thing for me. And I, and I like to look at entrepreneurship as the biggest playground or coliseum for self-transformation and, and self, um, self-realization, really. It, it's literally you take or you pour your spiritual yearning that we all have to connect and to create, and you pour that into your work. You pour that to the yeah the work that you're doing in the world and, and the things that you create um, and I think to be creative is to be spiritual because it's literally it's why we call God the creator you know it's the one thing that we all inherited is the ability to create and so it's really just taking that spiritual yearning taking those true desires and taking your your essence your unique essence that thing that only you can do. And, and like, if you gave somebody the recipe, the ingredients and all the materials, they still couldn't do it the way you do it. That's how I like to identify genius. Um, and I'm really good at just identifying in people like common threads and, and themes that they might not be seeing themselves, but yeah, just helping them to pour all of that energy into their work and into their life. Also just the design for their life. Mm, I love that so much. 
That's amazing. So tell us about your course that's coming up. Oh, yay. Okay. Uh, so it's called the Brillionaire Girls Club. It's a 12-week container and it's comprised of six weeks. We go through a six-week core module. We spend the first two weeks just purely on life design. So like shadow work and really just unearthing what it is that is dying to come out. I, I say that I help women make way or give way to the creative genius that's dying to be birthed by them. So the Brillionaire Girls Club is a space to turn what makes you different into what makes you brilliant. It is a format or a 12-week container that was designed to help you go from your mission statement to mission accomplished. There's two weeks, like I said, that's all about self-work and and working on your life design. And then the six-week core program after that is specifically on like brand strategy and also whole life integration. So how you can create a business that is designed around your life and not the other way around, right? And how you can design a business that is simplified, so falling in love with simplicity and that and seeing the the varied or the multifaceted worlds that that opens up for you. And then the last four weeks of the program are solely dedicated to creative covens where you get into groups of three and you all work on um, an actual actualizing a project that we just handled in the past six weeks, right? So we're going to wow. take you through the coursework. It's the, the introduction, the immersion, and the integration. And it's pretty fucking exciting, if I do say so myself. And I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. Um, yeah, it's the, the Brilliant Girls Club because it's all about inner genius and, and tapping into that thing that makes you brilliant and that makes you shine like a diamond. It's, it's shining your light and being loved for it in return. So I'm really excited. I love that. I've heard so many people say the thing that they were most embarrassed about or the thing that like made them feel weird is always the thing that made them most successful once they started embracing it. So that's so cool. I have yet to experience that, but I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Join us. I can have you with us. So it's um we're running from May 16th through August 6th. That's the entire 12 week program and it's super freaking exciting i also have like some people coming in to do special classes like i have a vedic astrologer a friend of mine she's going to come in and talk about moody moon magic so like how to work with the menstrual cycle and the moon cycles to create magic in your business and another friend that is a holistic wealth coach she's going to be talking about the art of investing in yourself so spiritually financially mentally emotionally all of the things so It's really fun, really exciting. And yeah, I hope to see you in there. That is so cool. I'm so excited. Can you tell listeners how they can follow along with what you're up to and also how they can sign up for the program? Yes, yes, awesome. So I gently use my social media, but I just signed up for TikTok today. So yeah, right. You can follow me on TikTok and Twitter at the Leastry, which is the L-I-A-S-T-R-Y. And to sign up for the Brillionaire Girls Club or my free program, it's a three-day virtual retreat called Hotel to help you create heaven on earth. Yeah. (laughs) Capital (laughs) H-O-E. Hotel. That is all just going to be at sublimesenses.com. So you can find both of those there. They're the only ways to work with me right now. One paid, one free, all at sublimesenses.com. Oh, so wonderful. This is amazing. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with listeners that are on their own healing journey? You know, yeah, I think I think maybe the 
the main takeaway for me or the the main thing that I would say aside from the self-devotion and everything like that is something that I recently came up with like the new golden rule where I think we've all heard like treat others how you want to be treated and the new golden rule to me is treat yourself how you want others to treat you um, so never never settle never compromise never lower your standards and um, also just realizing the fact that like no one is really coming to save you anyway and that's okay because you're the only one that can truly deliver yourself salvation so embracing that create like making your own dreams come true becoming the girl of your own dreams and creating the world that you wish to live in all of that is for me recipe for success so good shalia thank you so much this has been so fun i really enjoyed talking with you it was me too this was really fun i feel like we could just go on for tangents for days <laughs> That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the Lit AF community, Join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N.com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week. Bye.